0: Welcome Middle family, it's Reverend Natalie here, just welcoming you to worship. We're so glad that you've chosen to come worship with us today. Thank you for coming. Um, We're doing Pride Sunday again, because that's how Middle rolls. And um, I don't know, you might have noticed that it's also Independence Sunday. And um, if you did, (laughs) I hope that you also recognize that everybody ain't free. So why don't you use this Sunday to see how you can move the needle a little bit more towards freedom. Let's get right into worship, but before we do, we'd like to take a deep centering breath together. Come, let us worship God
1: to till it comes, standing for freedom. Standing till it comes, standing for freedom. Standing till it comes, standing for freedom. Standing to it comes, for freedom. Standing to it comes, for freedom. Standing to it comes, sending for freedom. Standing till it comes, sending for freedom. Standing to freedom. Standing to it comes, sending freedom. Standing till freedom. Standing till it comes, sending freedom. Standing to it freedom. Standing till
2: freedom standing, freedom standing, freedom standing, till standing, freedom standing, till We don't
3: Hey Middle family, I'm Reverend Darrell, I use he him pronouns and I'm an executive minister here at Middle. And I'm so glad to say it is summertime, y'all. Summer, summer, summertime. That's the cut right there. But with summertime, we know that people have so many different obligations, so many things happening in your lives. But with all those things happening we want to make sure that we also maintain connection with one another because connection is how we rise in this moment so a few ways we're going to invite you to be connected with us this summer one starts with july 9th myself and elise are going to be taking our youth to a beach day at coney island 11 to 5. Sign your youth up if you have not done so already. We are asking any youth from the sixth grade to the 12th grade to come hang out with us for a really good day in the sun. Please be sure, uh, make sure to try to be there. Also, Reverend Amanda is going to be meeting people at Tompkins Square Park on July 18th from two to four for the first of three middle mixers. You do not want to miss this chance for a middle mixer if you are in the New York area. And lastly, but most importantly, you would have gotten an email this week inviting you to sign up for our new member portal. When you go to your email, you would have gotten instructions to reset a password, go into the new member portal, you can set up your profile, you can put up a profile picture. All this helps us to stay connected with you as a staff, but also for you to stay connected with each other. We got people all over the world gathered in Middle Church. We want to make sure that we stay connected. And so with that in mind, let us join together, settle our feet and go to the Lord with prayer. So our God, we give you thanks for this wonderful day, this wonderful Sunday where we are able to come and gather together, connected as your church. For you say in your word where two or three are gathered together, you are there in the midst. And so the only thing that guarantees your presence, God, is that we stay connected. And so thank you for making yourself at home with us on this Sunday morning as we gather from all over the world to celebrate your love, to give glory to your name, to celebrate and and relish in all of the wonderful work and creation and love that you have made known to us in this world and in this place today. So be with us, God, as we settle ourselves into our time of worship today. And now, if you will. Pray the Lord's Prayer with me in whatever language most resonates with your spirit, or you can use the inclusive version that is gonna be shown at the bottom of the screen. We say together, our Creator who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, God, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Let the church say together, amen.
2: We come, to you in peace. we come to greet 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 you, greet you, greet you in peace. Love us, yes,
0: from Ezekiel chapter two, verses one through five. He said unto me, O mortal, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And when he spoke to me, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. He said to me, mortal, I am sending you to the people of Israel to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord. Whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they shall know that there has been a prophet among them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to
4: God. Hi, everyone. We're so excited to be here with you for this expansion of pride into the month of July. Coming for the rest of the calendar, too. Before we preach, let's take a moment to pray. God, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, this may not be the most profound theological reflection, but Ezekiel is a bit of a weirdo. I mean, biblical prophets already tend to be a touch eccentric by call and temperament. Isaiah walks around naked for three years. Jeremiah has to wear a thin linen belt that's never allowed to touch the water. But even by these standards, Ezekiel is a little out there. You know, the other prophets give him a wide berth at the reunion. Directly before this chapter, Ezekiel sees flaming wheels in the sky intersecting one another, bedecked with sparkling creatures with four faces, hooves, and wings. Later in the book, we read about him lying on his side for 390 days to bear the weight of Israel's sin. Elsewhere, God asks him to bake his bread over flaming cow manure. And of course, famously, he preaches to a valley of bones, commanding them to rise. I mention this not just because it's fun to talk about how wonderfully strange the Bible is, but because that strangeness is actually really integral into grasping the role of Biblical prophets. We can't understand who Ezekiel is without it. There's this temptation when we read passages like this to say, ah, it was 2,500 years ago, of course things were different, of course they strike us as odd when we read them now, but here's the thing. It wasn't any less shocking to the Prophet's contemporaries. It's not like the ancient world was filled with people cooking over piles of poop, wandering around naked for years, shouting curses at fig trees. Then, as now, the role and responsibility of the Prophet was to disrupt society's everyday functions, to point towards the way that our habitual patterns fall short of God's expansive love. is what this text is talking about. When God's spirit enters Ezekiel and says to him, whether they hear or refuse to hear, they shall know that a prophet has been among them. God is saying, regardless of if your actions transform the world, you will live in such a way that you yourself will be transformed. And in that transformation, you will offer other people an opportunity to live likewise. Indeed, the very existence of the prophets testifies to the deplorable state of affairs that makes their prophecy necessary. It is the people's rebellion and transgression that forces God to call Ezekiel, to ask him to bear a message that will bring scorn and animosity upon him. Ezekiel's strangeness is God's indictment. It reveals the gulf that yawns between the world and God's dream for us. And so... Of course, we don't always immediately understand the prophet's words and actions when we first hear them. If we did, prophecy would not be necessary.
5: And so, maybe put it more simply, maybe less pastorally than my friend, a prophet really only has one job, right? A prophet's job isn't to debate you or convince you or prove anything. Their job is simply to bear witness to the truth that God wants others to hear. And so as we think about pride beyond June, I want us to consider this question. Who are the gender expansive prophets among us? Who we, like the Israelites, refuse to hear? In Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel is face down before the glory of God. Powerful to me that it is only through being open to God working inside of him that Ezekiel is then commanded to stand, look God in the eye, and is then overcome by God's Spirit. There's something really fascinating about God using Ezekiel's body as a site for transformation. As Ben said earlier, it isn't so much about how Ezekiel looks, but rather the way he exists in the world that is transformative and which God knows will give light to others. Ezekiel's body then becomes a site of liberation. When I first heard this framing from the Nat ministry, our bodies, the sites of liberation, something lit up inside of me. The journey in chipping away chains of trauma and inherited supremacy and binaries has been long and honestly ongoing. I spent a lot of time, honestly way too much time, trying to find words and labels that helped me understand myself in ways that translated to others. I felt a bit like I was a matryoshka, those little Russian nesting dolls. Once I had found something that fit, I realized I was inside another box that I didn't like, and that kept me from looking God and myself in the eye. It wasn't until this year that I began to understand that my most full self, my most holy self, my most connected to God self, my most liberated self is one in which I am creating myself alongside God. It's why I've started using terms like gender inventive or gender creative to describe myself the more I am open to my own self, and the more I value my own ideas and connection to spirit over those of my friends or family, the world, the more I live into the dream that God has for me. The more I free myself to exist wholly, the more I free others to do the same. And to be honest, I think that's the secret power of folks who have begun to break away from binaries and assigned ways of existing. We have found the freedom to partner with God and accepted the call to co-invent and co-create ourselves in ways that are authentic and true to the liberated lives God wants for us. My body has never felt like a cage, although it does for some people. I love my body, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love the curves of my hips, I love my broad shoulders, I love my slender but muscular feet. But what I don't love are people's assignments, gendering and expectations of my body. Assignments are how we protect ourselves, right? And our views of the world. You categorizing me as a woman helps you decide how to relate to me. The problem with that is that when we do this, we mistake likeness for sameness. And we risk throwing another shackle or another nesting doll onto somebody who is trying to rise into their truth and power. And that's exhausting for folks outside of the gender binary to be frequent recipients of. But I imagine too, it's exhausting for those who feel like they need to do the shackling. I wonder how much more liberated all of us would be if we weren't in constant states of delegating others' existences or refining ourselves after being buried time and time again? What would we be like if we could recognize the prophets, the messengers among us and truly listen to what God is speaking through them? When trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, gender variant folks live into our true bodies and expressions, and in fact, when we all do, we invite the spirit of God to rest inside of us. When we do this, we answer the call and invitation to stand on our feet, look God in the eye, and co-labor with them. We are invited to be free in such a way that illuminates darkness for others who are still fearful, looking at the ground, and to become an echo of God's voice calling them into the light. When we believe our bodies are sites of liberation and stop listening to and worrying about those who rebel and who refuse to hear then anyone we come into contact with has the opportunity to break free too. Like Ezekiel to the Israelites, it isn't the onus of gender expansive folks to prove anything or convince anyone of our holiness. We are simply light bearers, prophets of God's invitation for us to be in deeper harmony with our spirits and bodies is my hope that while some will rebel and some will refuse to hear, others will stop and listen to the call.
4: I'm going to be honest and tell you something that I've only mentioned to a couple people, words I certainly haven't spoken from a pulpit. I'm not sure that I identify as a man anymore. This year I've been interrogating my own masculinity asking myself what about myself I understand to be essentially male traits. And I'll be honest, I'm coming up empty. At the same time, I I don't know that I'm ready to say that I'm non-binary, not because I hold any particular aversion to the term, but just because to come out as non-binary itself feels like a declarative statement of gender. And the truth is, I just don't know where I am. I know that words like he and him have never felt dysphoric, but I also know that I have been conditioned to accept them and that other pronouns feel right in my mouth as well. And I know that the traits that I used to associate with healthy masculinity strength, protectiveness, loyalty, honesty, fearlessness. These now feel ridiculous to define as essentially male, since they just as aptly describe so many women and non-binary folks who I love. Likewise, I you know, tend to prefer pants and button downs, but clothing also feels an incredibly reductionist way to define one's gender. Besides, I look quite fetching in a dress. What I feel is very much adrift. I have rejected formally stable definitions of gender because I know how they are weaponized against people I love, and I have felt how they imprison me too. And yet, those crumbling bulwarks of identity have not yielded any newly stable ground upon which I can stand. Perhaps they never will. But instead of fleeing for the certainty I once possessed, I hear God's voice calling me like it called to Ezekiel. Prioritize truthfulness over comfort and live your life in such a way that when you are gone, people will know that a prophet has been among them. Each and every one of us has the potential to be a prophet. We all have a choice. We can accept simple cultural narratives because that simplicity makes us feel safe and comfortable, or we can dare to question them. For me, it's led to a point where I don't know precisely what my gender is anymore. For you, it may lead somewhere different. But if we risk the authenticity to which God calls us, what is guaranteed is that we will never be exactly the same people we were before. And we, through that radical integrity, will open doors that others can move through. We can beckon the world toward freedom towards God's dream, which always perches on the precipice of becoming. If we accept this call, we become messengers of a future we do not own.
5: If we accept this call, we become lampposts, lighting the way for others to become whole. Now, we'd like to ask you some questions you can ask yourself about your gender to help you think about how you may or may not be living within gender binaries and maybe open yourself to fully embracing people of every gender.
4: How do you know you're a man?
5: How do you know you're a woman?
4: What traits do you consider feminine traits?
5: What traits do you consider masculine traits?
4: How do you know you fall outside that binary?
5: If you're a parent, caregiver or educator, do you teach gender in a binary way? Do you make assumptions about the young people in your life and their genders? If so, why?
4: If we don't derive our gender from our genitalia, where does it come from?
5: How are you explicitly instructed to perform your gender? How about implicitly? Has it ever felt confining?
4: What keeps you from transgressing those boundaries?
5: What would make you free?
3: What would make you free? It's an amazing question. As we are here on this 4th of July Sunday, this Sunday after Pride, Sunday where we, as a nation, lift up talk and ideas of freedom. But for the most part, they remain to just be that ideas, myths, lacking authenticity. And so today, we are invited into a space and a time reminded through the prophet Ezekiel, encouraged through the prophetic preaching of both Ben and Elise about what is our radical authenticity? How can we live into authenticity? How can we then live into freedom? I saw in the chat that some people were asking questions about my shirt and the shirt says, big black energy. This is a statement of my radical authenticity. And I wear it because despite how people might perceive it, I am going to be me. Despite the scorn, despite the confusion, despite the comments, I am going to be me. I am going to be free. And so we move into a time of communion together because in this moment of communion, we are reminded by Jesus himself about what it means to be free, what it means to live radically authentically, radically authentically. And Jesus's own authenticity brought scorn. And he tells us about that scorn while sitting Around the table with his friends, preparing to share a meal when he takes bread and he lifts this bread up and he says. This is my body. Broken. For you. Broken that you might get to be free. And Jesus also takes the cup. And when he takes the cup, he gives thanks, saying that this cup is the new covenant, new promises that come with you living authentically, radically free. And so I invite us in this time of communion to take the bread together, break it, eat. And I invite you to take the cup of freedom, drink in remembrance of Jesus.
1: Amen. Hello everyone, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley here, representing the Massachusetts 7th Congressional District. As a sister in faith, uh, it is wonderful to be able to join in this community of faith. A special thank you to the senior minister, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, a sister who has a prophetic voice and leads an impactful ministry with her humility and commitment to radical love. I'm in awe of the ministry that Middle Church does to impact the East Village community and beyond. I want to extend my heartfelt thoughts and prayers as I know you recently experienced a great tragedy, I thank God that you continue to summon the strength to be in the work of ministry, realizing that the church and the beloved community is the people. Now, when I decided to run for Congress uh, to represent the 7th Congressional District, I was met with many questions as to why I was running and why now and why challenge a popular democratic incumbent of all people in all states. Even well-meaning friends and colleagues said that it wasn't my time, that I should wait my turn. Now this wasn't the first time I heard this, I heard it throughout my run for the Boston City Council where I had the humbling honor of ultimately being the first woman of color, the first black woman to serve on that body in its 100-year history. So I knew what I was up against, that it was going to be a steep and uphill climb. But I ran because I believed that change couldn't wait. And because change couldn't wait, I was going to wait. This is what it means to have the courage to imagine that for the first time in 230 years, that we could break a concrete ceiling and ultimately seek to have a more representative Congress. That's right, 230 years. A state that is known for its progressive bona fides in so many ways had never had a person of color to represent the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in the U.S. House of Representatives for 230 years. Now, it seems that there have been a number a historic first in elected office in recent years, and all of us have had the courage to take a step to step out on faith in order to bring bold change to our communities. You know, I'm the granddaughter of a Baptist preacher, I grew up in a small storefront church on the south side of Chicago. Uh, my grandfather was the senior pastor there, may he rest in peace and power. Uh, the Reverend James Eccles. And my grandfather preached Sunday after Sunday about this poor Gilean peasant who chose to imagine a new world, a new world against the oppressive powers of that day. He preached about not just simply love, but radical love. A radical love that welcomed the stranger, fed the hungry, challenged systems of oppression that harmed humanity and the beloved community. We must have the courage to imagine, just like that Galen, a just and equitable society to replace the oppressive one. Where one lives should not determine how long you live, the quality of the air you breathe or the water you drink. We must imagine a world where no matter your cultural background or immigration status, you have the same opportunities as everyone else. We're not seeking special treatment simply equal treatment. The Apostle Paul reminds us to keep our eyes on the prize, and I believe that prize for us is a more just world that is transformed by radical love, and that will truly be a reconstruction.
3: The way they think, that is.
4: That's right, Papa Bear. It's time to stop the hiding. It's time to stand up tall.
5: middle. Let us pray. God of amazing grace and love, accept these gifts from our hearts and our hands. May we continue to be ambassadors of your love and live your love out loud. May we accept the call to stay connected, to believe in ourselves, to never ever give up. For love is love is love is love. Amen.
3: That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Uh, Seeing John JDC get his dance on and his spin on was life, I have to say. But y'all, it's the end of our worship time and I promise I'm not gonna give you a Baptist benediction. But I hope you heard in the words of that final song, we are family. God, that feels good. It sounds good, don't it? To know that we are connected across space and time, to know that regardless of where we might find ourselves in this world at this time in our lives, we are not alone. And that there are so many people who are like us, who are with us, who are who are uh, engaging, who are learning, who are struggling. Wherever, wherever we are, there is somebody else as well who can walk alongside us on this pilgrim's journey. And so y'all, I invite you now to just put your hands up, with me and reach through your screen as best you can. And I want you to touch somebody church. Can y'all hear that? Touch somebody, touch someone in your family, whether they be next to you, whether they'd be through the screen, remember that we are not alone. We are loved. We are called to be our full, Radical, authentic selves. Why? Because it is God's will that we be free. So even though a nation might try to deny freedom from us, we will de- declare freedom for ourselves this day and every day to come. Go in peace, go in love, go in freedom. A.